This is Exodus chapter 20. God spoke all these things, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And now from the Gospel of Matthew starting at the 25th verse of chapter of 11, and we'll go into the 12th chapter. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, he will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. God, we pray that you would help us to be ready listeners. Help us not to just hear, but to actually listen. And we need the help of your Holy Spirit. Would you help us 
to truly respond to you. Help me to speak with your word and not against it. Help our hearts to catch a glimpse of you, Lord Jesus. May we be moved to respond with, with the only appropriate response, which is love. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, the, the, the law of Israel can be tricky if you're reading the Bible as a Christian. It's, uh, it's so strange, and you're not really sure what to do with it. There's a lot of things that they're commands, and they, it reads as law. There's punishment if you don't do it. And if you're a Christian, you're reading, this as, um, you're reading this as Scripture and taking those commands to heart. But also, you know, bacon is great. And um, I don't like having to wear garments that aren't having mixed fibers. And Christians have always read the law in a particular way, in a, in a way that we feel is appropriate. We understand that uh, we are not made ritually or ceremonially clean uh, by these laws that were given to Israel. We are not beholden to those things. And so the, in a way, if you're a Christian, you read the Old Testament law and you're like, well, I, you know, shrimp is on, on the menu for me. I'm allowed to eat those things. I can have bacon, praise the Lord. Um, there's a number of things that I don't have to worry about because I am not worried about being ceremonially clean in the way that Israelites were. Um, and the Sabbath, this fourth commandment by our counting, is the, the place where the Ten Commandments in that kind of awkward category come in closest contact. Um, but it's also the longest commandment. It's also the, the most complete description of how you should be obeying it. And it gives you the reason why it is even a commandment. Why is it that Israel is commanded to rest one day in seven? And for a lot of Christians, uh, they're just, we're just not quite sure how to reckon with this thing. So in our minds, it becomes like nine commandments plus that other one that we're not quite sure what to do with. Um, and certainly the Christian relationship to the Sabbath as described in Exodus chapter 20, as described in the rest of the law, as described even in the Gospels that Jesus was dealing with as we heard in Matthew chapter 11 and 25, uh, 11 and 12, it is different. Paul explicitly says in Colossians chapter 2 that things like Sabbath are not a reason for Christians to be passing judgment on one another. There's a change in the relationship for Christians to the Sabbath. And yet, it's the Ten Commandments. It's in there. It's one of the ten. It is not the nine commandments plus the awkward one. It is the Ten Commandments. And Christians have always viewed and understood the Ten Commandments as being for us. This is not just for Israel. It is for us. And there's something in the Sabbath for us. And that should be binding to us and for us. The question is just how and what are we to understand of it? Um, everything that is being described in the Sabbath is tied to the fabric of creation itself. This is, this is true not just for this commandment, but this is explicitly so in this commandment. There's something in the way that the world is created that should inform and change how we view the Sabbath. If you, if you don't know or you don't remember, uh, you can turn to the first page of your Bible 
and read the story that Exodus chapter 20 is referencing. The, the creation story is organized in this seven-day way. And the seventh day is a day when nothing happens. And the way that uh, the Jewish people think about Sabbath, Sabbath is at the heart of creation. Because if you read the story and pay attention to it, you understand that the first full day of completed creation is Sabbath. In the story in Genesis chapter 1, humanity is created on day 6. It is the, the, the completion of creation, the culmination of creation. It is the day when God looks at all that he's done and, and says, not that it's just good, but it's very good. And men and women bear his image and likeness. And they're given the command to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth with all of this flourishing that is all around them. And they go to sleep and they wake up and it is Sabbath. And there is nothing for them to do that day but to obey the Sabbath. From the very beginning, at the heart of humanity's existence, at the heart of creation, is this day of Sabbath. It is from Sabbath that humanity is released to go do that work. It is not that humanity is asked to first spend six days obeying the command to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to extend the boundaries of this garden all over the globe. And then you earn the rest that is being commanded. It's the opposite. It's rest first, work later. Because in some way, Sabbath is at the heart of creation. It is at the heart of what it means to be human. And Sabbath is at the heart of Israel's life together. Um, the Bible Project uh, has a great video on this. I don't know how often you do or don't use the Bible Project. It's an excellent resource. But they have a video on the Sabbath, which is so helpful in seeing the way that Sabbath is structured into the entirety of Israel's life, not just per week, but per year and per sevens of years and sevens of sevens of years. Everything around Israel's time is organized around the idea of Sabbath because of all that it means. It is not just once a week, but extended out into the calendar is the constant coming back to the idea that there is a vision, there is a place in time and space where everything was good, where everything was finished, where there was no work to be done. There was only goodness that was not meant to be earned, but it was given as a gift. So in the structure of Israel's society, if they are obeying the law, which we don't have indication that they did on this count, if they actually obeyed their law, the Sabbath year was a mega Sabbath where the land would rest, where the people at large would rest, where society would rest. And every seven Sabbath years, the mega, mega Sabbath, everything was set right. So that all of, the, all of the debts were forgiven, slavery was undone, property was returned. So that nobody could be permanently impoverished. But every family in Israel would again have their inheritance. Whether they deserved it or not. They may have made foolish decisions to give away their land. 
And when the Jubilee comes, all is forgiven. The Sabbath is not for the wealthy. It is for the wealthy and the poor. The Sabbath is not just for the free. It is for the free and the slave. The Sabbath is a lever in Israel that upends every desired means of structuring and ordering society along hierarchy and power and privilege and topples it over, not by a superior power, but by the pure force of God's generosity. Sabbath is the equalizer and the leveler for Israel. And so Sabbath, for Christians, is not erased. Now, there, there is a version of Sabbath that is clearly problematic for Jesus. It is a Sabbath that is not a Sabbath. It is a Sabbath that is focused on rule following and step counting and labor apportioning. But there's no indication in what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 or elsewhere in the Gospels that Jesus is like, the Sabbath is rubbish. We're done with Sabbath. I'm past the idea of Sabbath. Actually, Jesus' insistence with people is they don't really understand what it's for. They don't understand the true heart and nature of Sabbath. And so they have focused on the boundaries. They have focused on what they cannot do and, in, and have instead lost sight of all that is being offered to them. And so what, in, what do we see in Matthew chapter 12 that we just read in these stories that Sabbath is really for? The, the people who are watching Jesus, the people who are trying to get Jesus, see him providing food in a very, very small way for his disciples. And they want to say, you're working. You can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus instead, instead says, this is what Sabbath is for. This is not, not a moment for, for the punishment of law-breaking, but instead the filling of hunger is what Sabbath is for. And they, they sort of stage a test for him one more time. Will he dare to heal in the synagogue on the Sabbath? And Jesus walks directly into their trap and says it's a terrible trap. And says, you don't understand what this is for. You have misread the law. He doesn't say the law doesn't matter. He doesn't say the law doesn't count. He doesn't say ignore the law. What he says is you have not paid attention to the law. At the heart of the Sabbath is healing. And so he stretched, the man stretches out his crippled hand and Jesus makes him right. This is not an exception to the Sabbath. This is the spirit of the Sabbath embodied. Jesus, the Gospel of Matthew, structures these stories with a promise immediately before this on purpose. When you accept Jesus' yoke, this rabbinical language of being tied to a particular master and teacher, when you receive this master's way of teaching, what you understand and receive is Jesus has actually come to give you rest. At the heart of what Jesus wants to do is this idea of Sabbath. And so I, look, I'm speaking this to you as a commandment breaker. This is 
been true the entire series, to be clear. So let me just default. Breaking the commandments is something I'm particularly good at. In this regard, I am not speaking to you on the Sabbath as an expert. I'm speaking to you as a commandment breaker. There is still for God's people an invitation to set aside one day in seven. There is still for God's people a door thrown open to a different way of reckoning time and to living in space. And I would suggest if you are like me, you are terrible at it. And here probably is where you go wrong, one of two directions. You cannot stop working. You can't. You are addicted to it. Now, you may frame that addiction in the terms of need. And let me be clear, people need to work. And work is not a curse. Work is good. Work is part of what it means to be human. Work is a good thing. Needs are real. Bills are real. However, you also need to stop. You need to. You, you may have to accept less in your life. You may feel the, the sacrifice, financially or otherwise. But you need to stop so that you feel yourself needing to start. See, addicts don't really know the degree of their addiction until they start to go and withdraw. And we are a society who valorizes, glamorizes overwork. Americans are particularly bad at this. We view nonstop working as a virtue. And it is a lie. It is a means of stroking your ego, of feeding consumerism, of pleading to you with materialism. You are not a better person because you never stop working. You are being degraded and demolished. And the fact that you might boast in your ability to keep on working shows that your mind has been warped by the powers of this world. The powers of this world want you to feel like the fourth commandment is imprisoning and impossible. But you were made for day seven. And you need to stop working so that you can see that God has completed all things that need to be completed. The world actually will not stop spinning because you have stopped working. You are not that big of a deal, and you need to rest in that. Now, addiction to work is one way that this goes wrong. Here's another way. Sabbath is not a day off. Sabbath is not self-care. This, this concept of Sabbath has been diluted and corrupted by our modern work, uh, work week, which is five days and the weekend. And we have allotted, if, if you work a traditional schedule, you have two days allotted to you that are off. And so you just have the category of this is time off. 
and you say that is the same thing as Sabbath. And that is not Sabbath. This is where the temptation to believe that what I really need is to do what makes me happy. And that's what Sabbath is about. Me being happy. You are so close. You are in the neighborhood of where you are meant to live. But you have moved into the wrong house. And that is a problem. Because if you understand Sabbath to basically be about the exaltation of your own happiness, of your own pleasure, you are also having your mind warped by the powers and principalities of this world. A life bent around the pursuit of your own pleasure and comfort by your own self-determination is exactly where the powers and principalities of this world would be pleased to have you stay for all of time. That is not Sabbath. Sabbath is about delight in God. And so it is both, at the same time, profoundly happy and free and stepping on your toes. Sabbath requires you to plan and to work ahead to make it happen. It presses upon you and that you must actually work to pay attention to God. And paying attention is so profoundly difficult. Nothing about this world is so apparently true than the distraction is our drug of choice. We are not so terrified of anything in this world, I am convinced, as boredom. We will do anything and everything to not pay attention for extended periods of time. I feel antsy if something is not being put in my eyes or in my ears. The only way that I can tolerate doing the dishes is if I'm listening to a podcast. It is so boring. I hate it so much. And it always needs to be done. You have to take them out of the dishwasher and put them in. It never stops. You can't just throw the laundry into the washing machine. You also must pull them out and fold them and put them away next to the pile of dirty clothes that has already accumulated. And I cannot handle it. It is so boring. It is so menial. I cannot drive 17 minutes to my workout without listening to a podcast or a book or music or something because it's so quiet and it's so boring. And I've been trained my entire life to be allergic to boredom. And here's what's going to happen if you choose to set a time, side time to listen to and pay attention to God. You will be bored. And that is Sabbath actually working. It's not a flaw. It's a feature. Because your mind is being exposed. It's troubled, dispersed, and unfocused. And you can't pay attention to the person who's the source of all goodness. It's so hard to Sabbath, really and truly. It's costly. And yet Sabbath is so, so delightful. You know, I, I think in an effort to focus on the seriousness and the applicability of Sabbath for Christians today, many people in our tradition and other Christian traditions 
so narrowed what is permissible on the Sabbath that it lends itself to a kind of pharisaical rule following that Jesus alerts us to as a danger in Matthew chapter 12. When your eyes are lifted to delight in God on purpose, what you find is that a meal together that you have worked to prepare to elevate it above every other meal. Maybe you are alone or with others, with family or with friends, but you have on purpose arrived at the table to say today, tonight, we will delight in this food that God has provided. We will delight in the space and time that he has carved out for us. And we will see the brightness of his goodness in our eating and our feasting. The power and the weight of all that work, it drifts away. When, when you use your Sabbath to take the long, slow walk that you have otherwise neglected, because you just want to spend time with this creator, your mind is laid to rest in your smallness. Sabbath can be so difficult, but it is an invitation to deeper and truer and better delight. The Sabbath is not an obligation. It is a need in our souls, in our bodies, in our minds. And it is an invitation from your creator. We should be Sabbath people. We, we should not be worried about are we being too pharisaical and rule-oriented. I'm saying we don't take it seriously enough. And if our lives were dictated and determined by a rhythm of resting with and delighting in God, our neighborhoods would be changed. If my home and your home and your home was known as the place of weekly feasting, weekly generosity and rest and delight, with doors open and the name of Jesus on our lips, that is so foreign and beautiful. We should not be afraid of the Sabbath. We should make the Sabbath a mark of all of our lives. We should be a people who together are committed to the ideals of the Sabbath and see that healing and filling and the setting free from slavery and the reordering and the canceling of debts and the restoration of the homeless, that should be our life. And that is not the weight of an oppressive life once again, what we see in the law is an invitation to a life far better than we currently have and so much better than what we naturally hope for. The invitation to the Sabbath is not a prison. It is a release from the prison we naturally find ourselves living in. And Jesus Christ is not the elimination of the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath's embodiment. Because it is from Jesus' lips 
that we hear that in the garden, my will can die and yours can be done. And the, the gates, the bars of the prison would be dissolved. It is from the Sabbath keeper himself that we hear the proclamation, it is finished. The work has been completed in Jesus. The chief law keeper himself, the only true, true and real Israelite who takes upon himself the full burden of all ten of these commandments and fulfills the true spirit of this fourth commandment, he is the one who would turn to us, his sons, his daughters, his servants, and he says, I give to you my rest. We can get into all kinds of discussions about days of the week and how many hours does it need to be and when should I do it? Does Sunday count? Does it have to be a different day of the week? And you will miss the point because in the middle of time and space in my life and your life is a God who is so delightful and so full of generosity and goodness in life that he made humanity not out of need but a surplus of his own joy and has said to all of people, I have made you for delight. I have made you for life with me. I have made you to be with me, to walk with me in the cool of every single day. And the first day of your existence was meant to be a day of resting with me and being with me and delighting in me. And in Jesus, he has come so close to you to demonstrate I have felt the weight of all of your rejection of me. I have seen you be addicted to to de determining your worth and value and all kinds of ways you have insisted on controlling the nature of the material of creation with everything that you have and it results in death. It results in torture. It results in desolation and I would take upon myself all of it so that you would be free. Sabbath is at the heart of creation. And it is your intended destiny. Jesus invites you in to his Sabbath. And today, if you are realizing that you have turned your heart away from the goodness and delight of Jesus, you're a Christian and you have lived as a Sabbath breaker because you do not believe and the goodness of this God, he will set you free today. You have not missed your chance. Jubilee is at hand. You could have made terrible decisions as a Christian and ignored him on this all of your life. And he is the God of Jubilee who will set you free. If you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart, but turn and come to the Sabbath-giving God. And if today you do not follow Jesus, this is at the heart of what God wants for you. He wants you to be freed and delivered. He wants you to be full and healed. In every way that you have rejected his goodness, reaching out to you in time and space. He has received the fullness 
of all of the terrible fruits of your choices so that you would receive all the fullness of his goodness and kindness and the rest that he offers to you. The invitation is most clearly said from Jesus himself. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. The weariness of this world, the heavy labor that you have taken upon yourself. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Only Jesus can say that and mean it like he did. And today, he stands before you again. Will you come to me and receive my rest? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your kindness, your persistence and goodness towards us. I acknowledge myself to be a commandment breaker, too busy and distracted to give myself over to delight in you. There are many like me in this room. God, would you help us by your Holy Spirit to say, Father, forgive me. And there are people in this room who may know nothing really and truly about you, maybe been around you or been around people who've known you. And they are trapped in the systems and slavery of this world. And Father, I pray that they would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, be able to turn to you and say, Oh God, forgive me. We want what you have intended us for. God, I pray that today we would be people who are marked by Sabbath. That we would be people who rest in you and rest with you. Who give ourselves over to the work of delighting in you. God, we pray for the hungry to be filled, the crippled to be healed. God, we pray for the enslaved to be set free and the homeless to be restored. God, let Sabbath be seen and touched in our own lives. And may your Sabbath come quickly to make all things well and right under the hand of Jesus, who himself is our Sabbath. And in whose name we pray, amen.